Hey, everybody. It's Sam Sports Podcast. Welcome. Welcome back. I'm Sam Rosenberg. You got you know the drill. You know what's going on. Today is Thursday, April 21st, 2016. You know, I, I said this last week and I'm gonna say it again. I've just been I've been busy. I'm trying to crank out more podcasts more frequently, but it's looking like you know, last couple of weeks I've just been doing one a week. I really want to try to get back on the mic a little bit more often, talk a little bit more, you know, spew uh, my thoughts on some of the updates that have been coming out on the on the sports wire, you know, you know, the headlines that come out, I, I really just kind of jump around to different websites and look at different things. And I mean, it's, it's not hard for me to voice a couple of opinions on some of the things that are coming out. Now, I am going to talk a little bit uh, right now. I think some of the biggest news that happened today is not really sports related, but has to do with Prince. Prince died today. I mean, my goodness. Uh, Prince was 57 years old, young man, uh, had, we're still not really sure what happened. Uh, apparently, he'd been, you know, had some illness issues. Supposedly, was suffering from the flu or something like that. But I mean, was found this morning in his home, uh, you know, unconscious and and unresponsive, and and now he's dead. I, I mean, it just it was something that just shocked me. I I didn't know what to make of it. Uh, you know, I was at the office today. My coworker told me about this. I. I immediately contacted my sister. My sister Jane is this gigantic Prince fan. I just, I was in shock. I mean, after hearing about, you know, I know, listen, I know people are dying every single day, just like people are getting being born every single day. But it is difficult for, I think, us as a, as, 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 as a community, as listeners, as, you know, people out there, we all, it really shows that true color when you see someone who is as big as an icon as Prince, you know, die so suddenly. And and it feels like we this has been happening, you know, a lot so far this year. I mean, David Bowie passing away and Alan Rickman and Gary Shandling. I mean, these these huge name people who are, you know, just icons practically in our in our collective, you know, consciousness and you know, to suddenly be stripped of someone, you know, so big and so... And, and Prince had been making music. I mean, he'd been cranking out albums. He he released an album last year. I mean, he was touring. He, he actually had to, you know, cancel a couple of his shows because he wasn't feeling that well. I mean, there's news that he threw a big party just Saturday night. And he was saying, ah, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little, a little under the weather, but don't waste your prayers on me just yet. Yeah, I mean, clearly, there was no indication that he was you know, suffering. There was no indication that there was anything coming out of the blue. I mean, I'm very curious to know what happened. I think everybody is, but it's just, it's just sad. It's, it's terrible. It really, really, really touched me. You know, I'm not, I'm not the hugest Prince fan, but you know, I've, I've sung Little Red Corvette on karaoke. All right. You know, it's not, you know, you don't have to be a rich to be my girl. You don't have I mean, listen, that has come out of me at any given time, in any given moment. I, I break into song at, you know, random times, and that is something that, that definitely has come out of me at moments. And, you know, to think that we lost him today is just, it's just really rough. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to sports right now because I think the main thing that I think of when it comes to sports and I think of Prince, where do the two overlap? And I think of when Prince 
played the Super Bowl halftime show. Okay, this was the year when Peyton Manning won his first Super Bowl and really his only Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. They were playing the Chicago Bears. It was in Miami, and it was raining. And I, and I, I remember this very well because during the halftime show when Prince was playing Purple Rain, it was raining. I mean, I can, I can remember it so vividly. He had this big sheet flying up in the air, and his silhouette was projected on the sheet, and he's got the guitar that's in, shaped in the special print symbol. And right as that rain just started picking up and coming in, you see him right in the middle of the stage, this silhouette as 100 feet tall, just going, mm, purple rain, purple rain. I mean, it's just, I mean, it was magical. And even, not even in reflecting on it today as he's passed from us, but I mean, even before today, I would have told you that was probably the best halftime show I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. You know, there's there's the wardrobe malfunction. There's Janet's titty getting whipped out on a Sunday morning with with Justin Timberlake, and you know there there were there were many good shows. They've been exciting, but I still don't know if anything can truly compare to that Prince halftime show. And I I'll never forget it. And uh, you know, I certainly will never forget Prince. And you know, I just had to say something. It's uh. It's just real sad. We we lost a great. We lost an icon today. And uh, Prince, uh, rest in peace. Okay, so let's move on to some basketball. Let's jump into some sports. Let's let's try to let's try to celebrate a little bit more on a day where we lost a great man. Let's let's celebrate. Let's talk a little bit about um, before we jump into the playoffs. Let's do some back end stuff. So the Minnesota Timberwolves hire Tom Thibodeau. They're going to bring him in. He's going to be running the team. He's going to be the coach, and I believe he's also going to be. Um, I think he's also going to be the president of basketball operations. Uh, so I think, you know, I'd heard Thibodeau get interviewed by Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe this year, and there was really a, a discussion about um, where he was going to land. They talked a lot about, you know, what have you been watching? And he's like, oh, I've been catching up on my TV shows, but I've also been watching all these other teams. And listen, the truth is, Thibodeau is one of the few guys out there who is a highly coveted, accredited coach who you know is going to come in and do great things with your team. Now, granted, he can be a bit of a hard ass, but he is a hell of a coach and he does magical things. And I think it was a real decision for him to take a year out of the NBA to step back and look at everything and say, all right. Which one of these organizations do I want to be a part of? Which one of these organizations is crafted and carved well with talent and front office people and is poised to sort of take this next leap? And now, as sad as it is that uh, the Timberwolves are in this scenario because, you know, I mean, you want to talk about tragedy, Flip Saunders dying. I mean, he died about as suddenly as you could go. As you could go. I mean, nobody saw him passing away uh, when he did last year. And, you know, Flip Saunders was extremely instrumental in all of the major moves that the Timberwolves had made over the last year or so. And it was really kind of sad because when he passed, the team, I think, was left a little rudderless. And um, it feels good now that Thibodeau's coming in. Uh, I think they've got a lot of talent. I love... Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, this guy is is definitely poised to be a superstar. You got Andrew Wiggins. You got Zach Levine, who's just jumping out of the arena at this point. You can't forget Ricky Rubio. I, I mean, they've got a lot of great young pieces. And now you put Thibodeau in place, and I think they can really be dangerous in that Western Conference. And I think that's a really smart hire by the Timberwolves. You know, for a team and an organization that has kind of been in the realm of dysfunction for some time, 
this is, I think, a, a great step in the right direction, and I like bringing in Thibodeau. That's a, a smart move. Now, to also discuss uh, another coach, uh, Scotty Brooks. So it's looking uh, right now, Scotty Brooks is going to be the new head coach of the Washington Wizards. Um, interesting, because I think there's been a lot of criticism about his coaching you know, I don't want to totally jump out and throw the Wizards too far underneath the bus, but I am going to say that the Washington Wizards, they're not the most functional franchise either. They've got some dysfunction going on in their front office, uh, especially, you know, I didn't think they needed Randy Whitman to stay around as the head coach as long as he'd been around. Um, and Scott Brooks, you know, I kind of think he succeeded in, I think the Thunder succeeded in spite of him for many reasons because, you know, listen, they've got Billy Donovan in place and they're performing essentially just as well as they were the last couple of years. And I think there was a lot of skepticism to how much Scott Brooks brought from a coaching standpoint to that Thunder team. And in my opinion, he feels a little bit like a lame duck hire for the Washington Wizards. Um, I want to give them more credit. I don't really know if they've earned that from me to, to get more credit or to, uh, to really convince me that um, that they're making smart decisions and that this hire is going to be better than some of their other hires, um, so I'm I'm still on the fence. I'm skeptical about that. Um, either way, listen, let's see how things shake out. You know, with John Wall, with Bradley Beal, they've got talent on that team. You know, he's not he's not working with nothing. I can certainly tell you that. Um, let's look at some of the playoffs. Some of what's been going on. So we're moving through the playoffs now. None of the first-round series are, are through. None of them are over. We're not even – I think tonight we're having game threes going on for a couple of series. But um, I think we need to be mindful of Steph Curry being injured. So he, he busted the ankle. He rolled it. I don't think it was that bad. But I think it's, it's bad enough that he knows if they want to do this for the long haul, if they actually want him to get healthy and be able to start playing into round two, round three, round four, and play the 15 to 20 games that are going to be involved with trying to win a championship, they're sitting here now saying, you know what? Rest. Take a breather, Steph. Let Clay Thompson and Draymond Green take over. Let Sean Livingston, you know, let all of these guys give Iggy his, you know, let these guys come in and beat the crap out of the Houston Rockets. Because if they play their cards right, and they sweep this Houston Rockets team, then all they have to do is wait for the Trailblazers and the Clippers to finish up their series, and, you know, with any luck, maybe they get an extra week off. And all they need is that extra little week to kind of rest up, and I think that's going to be enough for Steph to get back up in the game. And that first round, between the first and second round, is really the only time when a team can get away with getting like a week off or something like that. When you get to round two, round three... There's usually not much schedule difference between the two, uh, between the the series, and so you know they end around the same time, and maybe one team will get an extra day off. But round one is the is really the only time where one team could sweep one team. You know, like let's say the Warriors, you know, sweep the Rockets, and then the Trailblazers and the Clippers go to seven games. You know, that means that then the Golden State Warriors get like seven days of rest before they actually have to play the winner of the Trailblazers Clippers series. So that could that could shake out this way. And I think, you know, with as good as the Warriors are, they can afford this. They can afford to deal with having Curry sit out a couple of games. And I mean the truth is the Rockets are just such a lame duck team. They're able to they're able to squeeze out wins even without them. Tonight's gonna be a real test because they're actually having their first game in Houston tonight. Let's see how that shakes out. Um 
couple of other injuries which are worth noting. Avery Bradley, you know, Avery Bradley's, um, uh, you know, really, really hurt his hamstring in that game one. And as much as they were close uh, to beating Atlanta in that first game, you know, they really started to lack uh, punch in game two against Atlanta. You know, when Bradley wasn't playing, Brad Stevens had to really relegate to a couple of rookies. You know, you saw a lot of um, uh, this guy. Was it T.R. Hunter? Somebody Hunter and uh, Rozier. You know, just two young, young rookies who are really little in over their heads. And it, um, you know, it, it it clearly was the difference maker, in my opinion, between the the Hawks, you know, beating them like a drum, and uh, and the sort of close neck and neck game that you saw with Game One. Um, so that's I think it's going to be an interesting series. I still I'm still picking the Hawks to win. Um, the other thing to know that I do think is rather fascinating is this LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers, Detroit Pistons series, because this is closer than anybody's thinking. Now the game two, game one was pretty darn close. Game two ended up being a blowout, but really let's be clear here. It didn't turn into a blowout till the end of the game. Most of the game, they were pretty close. Okay. I think it was a two point game at the half and Cleveland really didn't pull away until, uh, I think the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, but it's definitely... I mean, if I was a Cleveland fan, I'd be a little worried right now. This is not something I want to feel comfortable with. This is not something, I mean, you know, again, it's the Eastern Conference, and I don't really think they're going to have much of a challenge. Like, because they're either they're either playing Atlanta or Boston, and they're probably going to play Atlanta, and I think they're they're gonna they're gonna beat Atlanta like a drum as well, and it puts them in the Eastern Conference Finals against who? Right now, you want my opinion? I think it's going to be the Miami Heat. I think Miami is gonna is gonna is going to beat the Charlotte Hornets in probably four or five, uh, probably five or six games, um, probably five the way it's looking right now because they they blew out Charlotte in two straight games in Miami. Um, so I think uh, Miami's going to come out of that series. Um, I don't have any faith in the Pacers or the Raptors to beat the Miami Heat in a, in a seven-game series, and I'm thinking Miami is going to be facing LeBron and the Cavaliers in the conference finals. That'll be a heck of a... There's, that'll be a heck of a grudge match. I mean, there's some drama for you. You got the Heat and the Cavaliers, LeBron and and Dwayne Wade going head to head. Amazing how the Rams were able to, or the Rams, excuse me, the uh, the Heat were able to sort of get back up to that stratosphere of competition in the Eastern Conference. And they're doing a lot of this without Chris Bosh. That speaks worlds about how good Hassan Whiteside is and you know how good Luel Deng is. Luel Deng has really, really stepped up. I think his his play kind of dipped between him being dealt from Chicago and he and he and and really this season I feel like he kind of never really found his groove. You know, he was on Cleveland for a couple of years before LeBron got there and Cleveland was terrible at that time. Then he comes to Miami and I feel like Miami was really lost in a lot of senses last year. There was just a lot of things that did not particularly work out for uh for Miami last year, but now it feels like everything's coming together, the stars are aligning, and Luol Deng's really proving to be a, a heck of an asset for the Miami Heat, not to mention Goran Dragic. These guys are really, they're coming on strong at the right time, and it's exciting because, uh, you know, I'd like to see Miami and Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's going to be an interesting matchup. That'll be some good basketball. I will, wa- I will watch that game. Western Conference, um, I, I still don't really think there's anything that's surprising here. I think the Spurs are going to sweep the Grizzlies in four games. I, even with Steph Curry's injury, I still think the Warriors are going to sweep the Rockets. 
Um, I think the Clippers are going to come out and beat the Blazers in six or seven games. Um, the one that's been a little interesting has been the Thunder and the Mavericks because the Thunder blew out the Mavericks by 35 points in game one, but game two, the Mavericks really showed how wily they are. Rick Carlisle, I love him as a coach. I mean, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, I mean, he just looks timeless. The only thing that doesn't look timeless about him is his defense, but I mean, that's what you get with a guy who's as old as he is, but he can still stroke it and he's still dangerous. And Darren Williams, it's like a you know rejuvenation of Darren Williams. I, I thought he wasn't going to play. He comes out. He has an amazing game too. Uh, and Raymond Felton, Raymond Felton, going from getting gun charges with the New York Knicks to being the playoff savior in Game Two for the Mavericks. I mean, it's it was Vince Carter hitting the three pointer at the buzzer a couple of years ago for the Mavericks. Now you got Raymond Felton, you know, nailing clutch free throws and hitting the three when the game is on the line. It tells you a lot about the, uh, I think, the heart of the Mavericks. And and really, Mark Cuban, as soon as he took over the Mavericks, that team has always been in it. They've always been competitive. They've always been in the mix. Whether it's a good year or a bad year, they're always in it. And I just, I mean, that says a lot about Mark Cuban. It says a lot about how he runs the team. And uh, I think they do great work there. I don't think they're going to get out of this round. I think they'll probably go to six or seven games. And I think the Thunder are going to win it. Um... If anything, I think this is more of an indictment about Billy Donovan as a coach because this is his opportunity to really take advantage of the the like volcanic force of a team that is Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka on one friggin' team. I mean, how do how are those guys not having 65 wins like the Spurs and the Warriors? I, I don't know. There were too many games where they were choking at the end of the season, uh, choking in the fourth quarter. It was just a little embarrassing. I I, I don't know what to make of that. Um, anyway, talked a lot about basketball. I want to shift gears right now. I want to go to football a little bit. I, a uh, few things I need to mention about football, which are kind of fascinating. So the draft is coming up. It's going to be coming up in about, uh, next week, couple of, uh, trades, which have really been standing out. The big news on it is the Tennessee Titans trading away the first overall pick to the Los and the now Los Angeles Rams. And the Cleveland Browns trading away the number two overall pick to my Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm a big Eagles fan. There is a lot of sentiment that the Eagles traded the farm to get this pick. Um, of course, people are going to feel that way because, I mean, I don't. maybe they did trade the farm, but the, it's the logistics of it. You're trying to trade to get the number two pick in the draft. You got to trade a lot of assets. They traded a bunch of draft picks to do this. And you know what? That's a gamble. That's what gambling is. You got to put your got to put your balls on the line to try to win something big. And the Eagles went from the 13th pick. They trade Byron Maxwell. They go to the eighth pick. They trade the eighth pick to the Browns. Now they got the number two pick. And pretty much everyone's you know pretty much summed up on the fact that the Rams at number one, the Eagles at number two, both of them want to get one of these superstar young quarterbacks. There's Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Those are the guys that are pretty much going to go to the each team. It's just a matter of who the Rams want. If the Rams want Carson Wentz, Eagles are taking Jared Goff. If the Rams want Jared Goff, Eagles are taking Carson Wentz. Right now, I think Carson Wentz is the uh, the number one stud on the on the the rankings at this point, so it's probably going to be the Rams taking him. He's a bigger guy, a little bit more mobile. Um, probably have the Eagles taking Jared Goff. But the interesting thing, the drama that's coming out of it is the fact the Eagles signed Sam Bradford. The Eagles signed Chase Daniel. You know, just when you were at the beginning of the offseason, there was this big discussion like, what are they going to do? 
you know, are, are they going to sign Sam Bradford? Are they going to go get Chase Daniel? And it was like, huh, 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 what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And they end up going and signing Sam Bradford. They don't sign him to a franchise tag, which is pretty much what people thought he was going to do. They were just going to tag him, keep him for a year, do whatever they want with him afterwards. But instead, they sign him to a two-year deal, which... Listen, if things don't work out with Sam Bradford, I guarantee you the Eagles are going to figure out a way to buy out that contract and get him off the roster after a single season. But if things do work out, they've got him locked into a nice rate for his second year. Now, as soon as they did that, you're thinking that it's over. They're not going to go after any other quarterbacks. Uh-uh. We were all wrong. What did they do? You know, it's like, why, why get one when you can have two for twice the price? You know, they went out and signed Sam Bradford, and it's like, oh, I guess they're not going to go get Chase Daniel. No, they went out and got Chase Daniel as well. Got him underneath a bargain contract. They got him paid as a nice backup. So if something doesn't work out with Bradford, you get a chance to test drive Chase Daniel right there. It's like you, you get to have your cake and eat it too. And that's where the drama continued because just when you thought they were satisfied with their quarterback situation, now the Eagles are trading up to the number two pick, which is pretty much a dead giveaway at the fact. And Howie Roseman even said this in a press conference. They want to draft a quarterback. Uh, and the truth is, when you're talking about one of the most, the, one of the most, that's not true, the most important position on your offense in the National Football League is your quarterback. And I think at this point, we can all agree it's worth trading anything and paying whatever to get a franchise quarterback. If it means blowing cash on Chase Daniel, if it means blowing cash on Sam Bradford, if it means spending a draft pick to try to get a franchise quarterback, if any one of those gambles works out, you win. You win. If any one of them plays out to be a franchise quarterback who could be Pro Bowl caliber, who can take your team into the playoffs and possibly the Super Bowl and be the face of your franchise for anywhere from six to ten years, then you've succeeded. I mean, I would I would trade my left nut to get Phillip Rivers into Philadelphia to be the quarterback for the Eagles. I mean, come on, man. So, drama, yes, but in the end, I think it kind of makes perfect sense. You know, I mean... You got you to spend money to make money, and they want a quarterback, and they are willing to go all in to get it. So, you know, I'm willing to roll the dice with the Eagles on this one. The Rams, I don't care how the Rams shake out. You know, I'm sure they're going to draft a quarterback as well. The Rams got way more problems than the Eagles, okay? They're good on defense, but everything else is a bit of a hot mess when it comes to the Rams, especially the quarterback situation. At least the Eagles have good, solid quarterback play in place, and now they get to actually draft someone and really take a good, long look at him before they uh, decide to actually give him the rock. Shifting gears just slightly when it comes to the NFL. Now, this is another story that came out that's pretty darn big, and I got to mention it. Josh Norman. Okay. So just yesterday, it was revealed that the Carolina Panthers are removing their franchise tag from Josh Norman and making him an unrestricted free agent. So Josh Norman is an amazing cornerback. He pretty much shocked and surprised the entire league last year by playing at such a high level. So, you know, he'd been in the league, he'd been playing well, but last year was when he ascended from good player to Pro Bowl caliber, awesome, great player, top of his league. You know, like right now, Darrell Revis is kind of the gold bar, but Darrell Revis is getting a little older, he's losing a little bit of a step, he's got an ACL tear from a couple of seasons ago, you know, listen, Darrell Revis was the man probably three, four years ago, okay? I'm not trying to knock what he's doing now, but I'm saying he was awesome a couple of years ago, and, you know, you lose a step as time goes on. Josh Norman is that now. 
He's the Darrell Revis from three, four, five years ago, okay? He is a monster on the field, picking off the ball. People weren't throwing his way. I mean, he is seriously up there in the Richard Sherman discussion right now. And I think that was a big reason why the Panthers uh, went 15-1 and and went to the Super Bowl. You know, it wasn't just Cam Newton. It was also the play on the defensive side of the ball. So going into the offseason, they put a franchise tag on him. They say, all right, listen, we don't want you to go anywhere. We want to lock up a long-term deal. We're going to put the tag on you. You're going to get paid this year. But this is at least our way to make sure you don't go anywhere. Now, the shocking part about it is that they've been trying to hammer out a long-term deal as soon as the season ended, okay? As soon as the Super Bowl was over, GM Dave Gettleman was sitting down with his agent and pretty much trying to get a deal hammered out. And the turn of events where they pull the tag off of him and are essentially saying, we are going to let him walk. This guy who we pretty much swore up and down, we are not going to let go anywhere. This guy, we're going to let him walk. That comes from the fact that he is demanding such a high dollar amount. He is someone saying, listen, I'm at the top of my game. You're going to get the best years out of me over the next couple of years. Now is the time to open up the checkbook and pay me. The Panthers are sitting here saying, you know what? You're an amazing player, and we want to keep you, and we want to give this to you, but the fact of the matter is, in today's NFL, we need to pay everybody on the field. We're paying Cam Newton a big chunk of money. We're paying Jonathan Stewart a big chunk of money. We can go down the list at all the people on our roster who we're paying big money to, and the reality is, if we want to keep a roster together that can win a Super Bowl, we can only afford to give you this much money. And Josh Norman's agent's not an idiot, okay? He knows that he can get more money someplace else, and then it becomes this eternal decision of what's more important, the team I'm playing for, winning a Super Bowl, and having that allegiance, and taking a little less money, or understanding the fact that I am a amazing athlete, I'm playing at the highest level I'm ever going to play, and now is the time to get paid. And this window of opportunity is very, very small. And the truth is, you can't argue with either one of their points because I think the GM of the Panthers made a smart decision in understanding it's going to really, 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 really suck to see him leave, but we'll fill him in. We'll find somebody else who's not as good. We'll take a hit on our defensive end. Or, you know, our, our secondary is not going to be as strong, but you know what? We'll save a little extra cap money. We'll find other guys. Someone out there is going to want his job and we'll just deal with it. And there's another team out there that is going to pay him that money. There's another team out here that will go and give Josh Norman that type of money. And the problem is, he might end up going and playing for a crappy team. He might end up going and playing for the Titans, or the Jaguars, or you know the Chicago Bears or somebody. And he might have a, a, a couple of seasons where he watches the Panthers go back into the playoffs and nearly win another Super Bowl, if not win another Super Bowl, while he's sitting on the sidelines after the Chicago Bears go 6-10. and 10. Now granted, he got paid, he made his money, and you know, he picked off, he was a pro, bowl, a pro bowler, and he picked off six, uh, uh, you know, Six, six made six interceptions that year, but at the end of the day, you know, the only thing he has to show for it is just more money in his pocket. And I guess you can't really blame him. You can't. I mean, it's the same thing with Carmelo Anthony. You know, Carmelo Anthony could have gone and played with a, a winner multiple times, but in the end, he opted to take the money. And you know, this is America. We can't blame these people. You know, this is the three or four million dollar difference between this contract and the money that he wants. 
you know, that's three or four million dollars he's never going to have an opportunity to make again once he, you know, gets to the point where he can't play at the level he's at. And so I can't really blame him. It's shocking to see something like this happen, but it's also just in, it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of how the league works. I mean, this is this is how we reward our people. You know, I mean, the bottom line is like the only benefit for Josh Norman to, you know, take a hometown discount and get paid less is because he, you know, it's not about the money or he loves his teammates or, he, you know, listen, if he tears an ACL and his career's over, that team will cut him faster than you can say torn ACL. All right. And he knows that just like his agent knows that. And got news for you. The GM and the whole league knows that too. So he's looking out for his interests. It's an admirable thing. I, I can't, I can't dispute it. I'm not going to argue it, but it is a fascinating piece of, uh, it is a fascinating piece of drama that's been going down. And it's something you just, you just don't see every day. It's something strange. It's not typical, not typical at all, but, uh, very fascinating. You know, I, um, I don't know if I have anything else to say today. I think, uh, I think that's about it. That's a good podcast. I want to try to get back on in the next day or so. You're definitely going to hear a podcast coming out on Saturday. I'm going to have my good friend Utkarsh Ambudkar. You might know him from Pitch Perfect. Uh, you might know him from Barbershop, The Next Cut, which is out right now. He's in that movie. I'm going to have him on the show. We're going to talk some NBA, talk some playoffs. You know, really exciting to have him. I just haven't spoken to him in a while. We've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you should check it out. I'm definitely going to post it. You'll hear more about that. Um, as always, listen, follow me. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is uh, SmithFaceJones, at SmithFaceJones, or just look for Sam Rosenberg. Um, you can find my Facebook page is Sam's Sports Station. You should go on Facebook and look for it. Like it on Facebook. I've got some great news that I post there, some great updates. Um, and you can hear more about the things that I'm doing. Also, email me. i got mailbag questions that I'd love to bring on the show. Um, samsportsstation at gmail.com S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com it's real easy um, and of course you can subscribe to my uh, podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud um, and the other thing I got going on is my radio show Sam Sports Show uh, 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Saturday mornings on ESPN Radio um, Specifically, you can listen to it at 610amsports.com. That is the local affiliate in Philadelphia. Sorry, guys, I'm not national right now. I'm just doing local stuff in Philadelphia, but it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I have a lot of fun on that show. It's a little bit of a different animal than the podcast. I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, it's still fun. It's, it's challenging, and I get to talk a lot about Philly stuff. I focus a lot on Philadelphia sports. Uh, um, this is my place where I get to play around and talk just about anything else, uh, but... Uh, I'll be coming out with another podcast soon. As as always, thank you for listening. I love having everyone, uh, you know, it means a lot when people check in and, and hear my thoughts on things. And uh, I want to have a few more guests come on the show soon. It's, uh, it's definitely fun to have somebody to go back and forth with. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. Bye-bye.